Imagine taking your generosity to the next level, impacting more lives and leaving a godly legacy for generations to come. Get ideas and strategies to do just that when you listen to these personal stories from high-level kingdom champions. The Kingdom Investor Podcast showcases business leaders who have moved from success to significance, sharing how they use worldly wealth for kingdom impact. Discover how they grew in generosity, impacted more lives, and built godly legacies. You'll find motivation, inspiration, and practical steps to grow as a kingdom investor. Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Investor Podcast. This is your host, Daniel White. Thanks for joining us as we interview Jacob Robinson. Jacob is the founder of three startups. Stone Solutions is a commercial cleaning company with offices in Houston and Dallas. Dig World is a theme park where kids and adults get to operate real construction equipment. And Dry Point Capital is an industrial outdoor storage real estate firm. In this episode, we talk about how he built these three companies and how he is leveraging them for God's kingdom. If you have enjoyed the show, help us reach more listeners by sharing with your friends. And now, without further ado, let's get right into the show. Jacob Robinson, welcome to the Kingdom Investor Podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, I am great, man. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. Yeah. So I would love for you to share just a little bit about where you're coming to us from and, and who you are. Yeah. So I am coming to you from Katy, Texas, a suburb of Houston. Uh, I've lived here the last eight years. I've been in Houston the last 10 years. Um, uh, I was joking with my wife, and we'll talk about this probably later on in the, the show. But in August, the house that I'm living in here in Katy will be the longest that I've ever lived in one place. Uh, and so uh, big milestone for us. But I'm coming to you from Houston. Um, I have, uh, I'm one of those unfortunate serial entrepreneurs. Uh, and so I have a few different jobs that keep me occupied day to day. And, uh, so doing a whole host of different things, but it's fun. Is there any particular project you're really excited about right now that you're working on? Yeah. So the, the one that gets my most attention during the day is the theme park that we launched, uh, a year ago. And, and I know we'll talk about that, um, uh, at some point in the show, but uh, Dig World, where kids and adults get to operate real construction equipment. And so we opened that a little over a year ago. That that consumes my day-to-day and, and probably most of my mental space. But uh, I'm partnering with a couple guys out of Atlanta uh, to start a new private investment uh, firm focused on the attraction and hospitality space. And we kind of had our first kickoff uh, earlier this week. And so it's been a, it's been a super exciting week. So I'm, I'm excited about that project and it's in tandem with our theme park. And so uh, it's been a fun, fun week so far. Wow. Yeah. That sounds, sounds really cool. I'll have to bring my family sometime and check that out. Yes. 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 Absolutely. So Jacob, do you mind praying for just this time and, and that we would really think about how we can use our influence and our wealth for God's kingdom? Yeah, I'd be honored to. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for technology that allows this uh, interview to take place. Thank you for the technology that allows people to hear it. Uh, we pray that uh, you do what you want with this episode and with this podcast as a whole. Uh, Father, let today be your words, not my words. Give me the words to say, uh, and let me tell your story uh, in our life. Uh, we love you so much. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's hear your story. Man, I am, uh, I'm blessed. Uh, I have great parents. Uh, I have uh, uh, a 
great brother and sister. I'm a middle child, so I'm the best uh, for sure. Um, but uh, we we were born and raised all over, grew up uh, all over the Southeast. My dad, a uh, very successful career running hospital systems. And so uh, I am not a military kid. I'm a hospital administration kid. And uh, he was in the news business before and then transitioned to healthcare right before I was born. So I was born in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, then we moved to tiny East Texas. And then we moved to Houston. Then we moved back to East Texas. Then I, I graduated high school in South Carolina. Uh, and then I came to A&M, Texas A&M here in, in College Station, Texas. And then uh, shortly after my freshman year, my dad uh, accepted a job in Waco, Texas, which only is a mile and a half up the road from College Station. So my freshman year at A&M, I was an out-of-state kid from 16 hours away. And then my sophomore year, I was an in-state uh, in kid an hour and a half uh, away from home. And so that was a, a fun and unique experience and then really cool to have my parents close as I uh, finished my college time. And they're still in Waco. Uh, my sister and her husband uh, and their kids are in Waco. My brother uh, is in College Station. Uh, and then my wife and I and our two kids and third on the way uh, are here in Katy. Um, uh, I met my wife uh, freshman year at A&M. We have your typical Aggie story. We met uh, early on freshman year. Uh, and I was the one of the very few things I've done right in life is I did not let her go. Uh, and she was not smart enough in college to realize that she needed to let me go. Uh, and so she stayed with me and we got married right after school. Um, she stayed and got her CPA. And so she stayed a fifth year CPA license. Um, then we moved to Houston and we moved to Houston and uh, she had a real job. Uh, so I followed her to Houston uh, and I tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And, and that's kind of the story of Jacob is, is I spent, you know, call it five or six years, uh, just trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. Uh, I had no clue. Uh, I was afforded a lot of opportunities in college that allowed me to meet a lot of great people. And, and honestly, uh, as I look back on that time, that was one of the greatest blessings in my life and one of the greatest curses in my life. Um, it was greatest blessings because I got to meet so many people from all over life, uh, all over the world and, and different professions and uh, whatever we want to deem success as, whether it be nonprofit success or monetary success or Fortune 500 success or, you know, your own business success, whatever that looks like, I was able to meet those individuals. Um, the, the curse part of that came from, I, I think I went into college thinking there were probably like five or six jobs out there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I, my eyes were open that there are a million and a half jobs out there. Uh, and so it became this paralysis by analysis of, of not knowing what to do and, and not even really sure where to start. Um, and so moved to Houston. Uh, some guys were gracious and gave me a job in an oil and gas company. And man, I was, I was terrible at it. I was so bad at that job. Uh, how they didn't fire me before I ended up quitting. I'm not sure. Uh, they must've just been desperate for a body in the seat. Um, my boss, we're still great friends and we'll laugh about, we'll laugh about it often. Just, man, I was, I was terrible at that job. Um, uh, super thankful for the opportunity, but terrible. Uh, I left there and I went to work at a large church here in Houston. I ran their adult sports programs. This, this is one of the largest churches in the country. And we, they had a great, um, outreach ministry focused around intramurals. And so your, you know, your softball leagues, your football leagues, your basketball leagues, your volleyball leagues. Uh, so I was in charge of running all those for, for this church. And that was a great time to meet people. And I think what I, I realized there, you know, my job started at 6 PM, uh, and ended at, you know, midnight, whenever the games were done. And I think what I learned there is I just, I love people. I just love talking to people. Uh, now 
the job's a little tricky because when people are trying to play football, they're not really there to talk to you. Uh, but just getting to meet people from all different walks of life and different jobs and, and different stories and different backgrounds. And they knew Jesus and some didn't know Jesus. Some had no clue what the building was right there that they were at. Right. And, um, it was, it afforded me the ability to learn that I love, I love people and just love getting to talk to people. Uh, I left there and did a quick stint at a janitorial company. Uh, I did sales and operations, mostly operations, mostly cleaning buildings. Uh, that's what I did. Uh, and then I left there, thought I found my, uh, end all be all job. I sold life insurance for Northwestern mutual. And, and frankly, I loved it. I loved my time there again, cause I got to just deal with people and every day, my job, if I was doing my job, well, I would meet four to five different people a day and hear their stories and hear their struggles and hear their concerns and their fears and try to help them. Um, and, and I did that for a year and a half. And, and like I said, uh, thought I was going to be there for a really, really long time. And then the opportunity came via a mentor to uh, start my first business in 2015. And so, uh, that's what got us up to this entrepreneurial journey, uh, that started back in 2015. So what was that first venture that you started? Yeah. So a guy named Mark Toon, uh, I will forever be indebted to Mark Toon, uh, and Jeff Smith. Um, but Mark was a mentor of mine. I tell people all the time, uh, whenever you move out of college and you, and you end up in a new city, take random opportunities to do random things. Um, get involved in random things. Um, uh, I, I raised my hand and volunteered to coach first grade boys baseball uh, for our church. They needed a coach and I had time. Melissa was still in school finishing up her CPA degree. And I was like, I'll coach baseball. Sure. What the heck? So, you know, Tuesday night practice for an hour and an hour on Saturday. What, you know, not, not a big deal. And I get to be around the baseball field. I got to meet a guy named Mark Toon uh, through that. That was back in 2012. And Mark and I just developed a relationship and a mentorship over the years. And he came to me in 2015 and said, hey, listen, I've done very well. I'm very blessed. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with the next half of my life. And I think I want to invest in young entrepreneurs like you to go build businesses. And I'm going to give you your MBA through the School of Hard Knocks. And I said, great, cool. I'm not an entrepreneur, so you should go talk to somebody else. Uh, and he said, no, listen, go, go think of a business idea and, and let's talk about you running it. I said, cool, not going to do it, Mark. I was like, I'm, I've just figured out how to make money in insurance. I've just figured out how to sell this thing. Uh, I, I'm, we're about to have our first kid uh, here in a couple months. There is no way I'm going to go start a business. I don't know anything about it. And he said, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll tell you what, just go think of an idea and then we'll find somebody to run it. I said, okay, let's go think of an idea. So when I was in the cleaning business for that short stint, there was a subsector of the cleaning industry in the construction cleaning space. And so I, I went to him and I said, hey, listen, I think you can make money in construction cleaning. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how you make money there, but my gut tells me you can make money there. Uh, I just think uh, there's not a lot of competition there. Um, and a lot of people don't want to do it because it's, it's frankly, it's really hard headache to deal with. Uh, logistics and scheduling and crews and construction companies and other subcontractors. It's, it's just a nightmare. And he said, great, we'll put some numbers on paper. I said, great. You know, I'm going to be making these up. Correct. I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't know anything. And um, he said, just put something on paper. So I did. And so we went back to lunch and, and I'll never forget where we were sitting. It was a sushi restaurant. And he said, great. You want to start at the end of May? And I said, Mark, once again, I told you I'm not going to do this. And he said, fine. I'll tell you what, just go talk to Melissa about it tonight. And let me know what she said. And that's where, you know, um, I learned the importance of, of where I thought I was a smart guy in the room with marriage. I said, listen, this is, this is what I know about my wife. She's a CPA. She's highly intelligent. She's super risk adverse and doesn't like change. And so what I said is great. It'll be on Melissa then because I knew in my mind, Melissa would say no. 
then I could blame her. Uh, and then I could get out and say, you know, listen, I wanted to do it, but my wife said I couldn't do it, you know, and, and it could be on her. So we go to dinner that night, crisp pizza. I don't know if you guys in the Heights. Uh, and we're standing there waiting to get our table. And I said, listen, Melissa, Mark's got this crazy idea. Uh, he said, he's going to let me start a company. It's going to be in the cleaning space. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. We, we shouldn't do it. And dead gummit, she looked right at me and she goes, I think you should do it. And she was like, you, you always loved working with those people. You loved that job. What's the worst that can happen? Like what, 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 <laughs> like that is, must be the pregnancy hormones or something going on. Uh, uh, but that was not the answer I was expecting. And so, uh, we, Talked about it over dinner, prayed about it. I told Mark the next day I'd do it. And uh, my son was born on May 26, 2015. And we started One Stone Solutions on June 1st, 2015. And um, we've been blessed that we've been in business over eight years. We have about 400 employees now, uh, three offices. Uh, and and God's just continued to blow my mind with that company. Um, and, and so that's where this entrepreneurial uh, journey started, uh, is in the cleaning space. And when I... When I say entrepreneurial journey started, we're talking Jacob cleaning at 2 a.m. in the morning and 6 a.m. and 4 a.m. and 4 p.m. And uh, I used to I used to have a truck with all the cleaning supplies because I would just I'd just be cleaning all the time. And I would try to have my headphones in making a sales call in between vacuuming and mopping. Uh, I learned early on uh, the importance of diluting cleaning products. I went into a small bathroom to clean and I just dumped a whole bottle of Clorox in the mop bucket. Uh, I had to come out. I was choking, spitting, crying, couldn't figure out what was going on. Our crew was laughing at me. Um, and so I've, I've learned it, uh, the, the school of hard knocks, the cleaning business, as well as running a business. So that's, uh, that's one stone solutions. Wow. That's fascinating. Uh, how, how that came into, into being really. So I'm just really curious about how you went from, you know, you doing cleaning to now having 400 employees, just, can you give us just a little bit of more detail on that? Yeah. A lot of mistakes, uh, and a lot of God's grace. Um, that's how it happened. Uh, you know, we, we um, we were diabolically focused on two things at the same time when we started finding great supervisors. That's, that's the hardest part of this business. Uh, and we found them and, and two of them are still with me today. Um, and they're family to me. Um, and then the other part is sales and, and just hustle, pound the pavement, knock on doors. Uh, I was talking to my main sales guy or, or main guy in Dallas. He runs our office up there. He's been with me for eight years. It's almost since day one. And, uh, he called me the other day laughing. He said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking it old school today. I'm walking downtown I'm knocking on construction trailer doors and it's fun again. And, and that's how we started. I mean, literally it was just Walking from, we we would drive down I-10 and we'd see a construction site. We'd pull over. I'd go to the trailer. We'd knock on the door, say, hey, we want to clean your 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 job site. And and what we really focused on was, was professionalizing that niche and saying, hey, we're going to answer our phone. We're going to be here. I'm going to be here. If you need me here, we're going to get this job turned over. Because if you're a general contractor and you just delivered a $400 million building, the last thing you need is the cleaning company screwing up your delivery time. Um, and also you need the cleaning company to make it look good because uh, at the end of the day, you just worked, you know, for years on this project at some, sometimes, and, and we're the people, I always say, we're the people dragging our mop out the back door when they're cutting the ribbon at the front door and, and nobody needs to know we're there. Uh, and, and if nobody knows we're there, that means we did a really good job. Um, and so we were focused on sales, uh, and customer relationships and customer service. 
And um, the amount of times I've been in the backyard with my kids and the phone rings and I have to leave to go to a job site would blow your mind. Um, and, and that's just what, that's what it takes, right? Every entrepreneur knows that every, that's the, that's the hustle. As I say, that that's the startup grind of it, of, Hey, I wanted to be the boss, man. I wanted to be the CEO. I, uh, you know, I wanted to sit in the nice AC office. And what it really means is uh, you're going to be put on your hard hat and your safety glasses and your vest, and you're going to be going up a, an out outdoor elevator when to somebody who doesn't like heights of this rickety elevator starting on the 12th floor and you're cleaning apartments all the way down. Uh, and that's, that's what it actually means. And so, um, we've had great customers that we've had for eight years. So in, in 2019, we brought on two guys that really helped, uh, focus on nightly janitorial and that, and that really helped our business stabilize and also take off. Um, and so our, our company now is a mix of nightly janitorial construction cleaning, uh, between all of our offices with the, with the heaviest presence, uh, of nightly accounts here in Houston. And so that, that helped a ton, um, as, as we, uh, have been building the business over the years and also as we, you know, headed into COVID, but, um, it's been a, it's been a crazy, crazy wild ride. So what do you think? I know you mentioned a couple of, a couple of keys to the success of the business, but what do you think maybe one of the main themes of success or, or where you've seen the greatest success in the business? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I told our guys when we first started that, um, the answer to every question a customer has is yes. Uh, and, and we'll figure it out. Uh, and if that means we're cleaning random things one time, yes, the answer is yes. Like, we'll, we'll just, we'll figure it out. Uh, and I think that allowed us to one, learn who we are and what we're good at, and what we're not good at, uh, two, what we can make money at and what we definitely don't make money at. Um, but it, it allowed us to, to be the go-to phone call for our customers. Right. It'll I say, Hey, listen, I don't know if you guys do this, but, uh, the amount of phone calls that I've gotten like that, I still get, Hey, I've got this problem. I don't know if you guys can handle this, but, and, and that w- helps grow. Right. I mean, if, if you're willing to get in the trenches with your customers and say, Hey, listen, it's not our bread and butter, but if you need me to figure out how to clean that chandelier, let's do it. You know? And, and so, um, that helped us really, I think, take off to the next level and really get a name for ourselves, right? It's just the people that are going to answer their phones and the people that are going to show up and the people that are going to say yes to hard things or complicated things or odd things. Um, and, and so that helped us really take off and everybody on our team bought into that. Um, and, and again, a lot of times, mostly me saying yes, it, it, it can bite you in the rear end. But uh, you learn and you move on and, and you take calculated risk and, and you, you go from there. So that seems to be an extremely logistically challenging business. How did you, how did you overcome that challenge? That's, it, it is. It's a nightmare. Um, and so the, and the reason it's a nightmare, right, it just to, for the listeners, is, is because it's, it, you know, nightly janitorial, cookie cutter, uh, you, you have your staffing problems there. But, but every night, you know, from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Or, or 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., whatever it may be, you're going to clean the same building probably going to have the same problems as it is last night. Nothing really out of the, the ordinary kind of deal. Now, again, it's a staffing problem, expectations, all that kind of stuff. Construction, on the other hand, it's from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., which is different. Those are different hours for our industry. Um, and, and so I, I need to find an employee that this is going to be their full-time job. So I, therefore, I need to make sure I have enough hours during the week to, to give them a full-time job. The other thing is, I don't know if you've ever been on a construction site, Zero construction sites in the history of mankind have ever been on time 
or or uh, delivered uh, the way they should be delivered. Uh, and that's not a knock on uh, GC. That's just a knock on how the industry goes, right? Whether it be a, a city engineer holding you up or, or a, you know, a, a plumbing company can't get this picture in, whatever it may be, it's a nightmare. Uh, and so for us who have the last part of the job, hey, we need you here May 1st. Well, May 1st comes and it's like, actually, I need you May 15th. Uh, uh, or, okay, now I need you July 1st. We had another delay. And so I've got I've to hop these crews around and I've got to move them around and, and, and I've got to go from site to site. And oh, by the way, I got to keep them busy. Uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. That sets the expectation. How do we do it? We have great supervisors uh, that communicate well uh, with our, the GCs. That, that was the name of the game, right? We, we've got to over communicate with our customer. And we have to educate our customer. And I think a lot of that, for me, that was the toughest part uh, starting out. Um, and I don't know if entrepreneurs out there are struggling with this, but pushing back on your customer sometimes. Uh, and, and the reason we don't do it is because you're afraid you're going to lose the sale, right? And, and you need that, that sale and you need that money and you don't need to lose that job. So for the longest time, I just was, we were the, we were the only subcontractor taking it on the chin and I didn't even realize it. Um, and, and then finally, when we started to say, Hey, listen, you don't need us out here today. You need us out here next week because we're going to have to do this all again. A hundred percent of the time they go, okay, sounds good. Um, and, and that was that as simple as that sounds, that was revolutionary for our business, uh, of, of starting just to push back on the customer, uh, in a, in a loving, respectful way and saying, Hey, you don't need me here today. Uh, and then when we can do that, that can help stabilize, um, the logistics of it. That's good. So I kind of laughed when you when you said, "Have you uh, ever been around construction?" I grew up around construction and had a construction company, and so yeah, I, I understand uh, some of those challenges. So that's that's really cool. Uh, okay, so then how did that kind of move into some of these other ventures that you started? Yeah, uh, zero parallel. Uh, zero, zero crossover. Um, that's, that's what I, I told my wife the other day. I said, Hey, if I would have told you in college that, uh, fast forward 10 years and the primary source of our income is going to come from a cleaning company, a theme park and, uh, 18 wheeler truck real estate. What would you have said? And she was like, I would have thought you were crazy. Uh, and that makes no sense at all. And it doesn't, it doesn't make sense without God, uh, in it. But, uh, what it did, all jokes aside, what it did is, is I, I was bit by the entrepreneurial bug. Um, and I think, you know, once you, once you start something, the, the heaviness and the daunting task, um, it doesn't get easier or, or less daunting or less heavy. You just, you, you can repeat from muscle memory, right. And, and you, and you learn of, oh, okay, that's, that's how we do it this time. And, and that's how I should open up the business this way. And that's how I should set this structure up. And so every iteration of it gets better and better and maybe easier and easier depending upon what you're doing. And so um, I, I think that was it. And then again, I, I think the guys that helped start our company and, and you know, Mark Toon, I keep referencing and Mark, Mark is that guy. He started multiple businesses. And so I think having somebody in front of you, not that he and I sat down and he said, hey, listen, this is how you do X, Y, and Z. And this is the businesses you go, should go start. But I think when you have somebody in front of you showing you that it's going to be okay, uh, even if you fail, right, then, then it helps you just get a little bit more comfortable with that. Uh, uh, uncomfortableness of entrepreneurship. Uh, and so part of my story, I mean, my, my, the main crux of my story, right, is, is my son. Uh, and and that, that dovetails into everything uh, after 2017. But my son uh, was born in 2015, like I said, Pierce, uh, Pierce was born with no issues, uh, happy, healthy little dude. 
progress along just fine. Uh, and then when he was almost two years old, uh, overnight, he contracted bacterial meningitis. Uh, he should have passed away almost immediately, but um, he was in a coma 12 days. We were in the hospital 75 days. Uh, and Pierce's life looks significantly different now. Uh, he's deaf in both ears. Uh, he's nonverbal. Um, I haven't heard him talk since 2017. Um, he's epileptic. Uh, he's wheelchair-bound. Mental capacity of one two-year-old. Um, and and will live with me the rest of his life uh, and and live in this special needs community that we were thrown into uh, quite literally overnight. And and Pierce is a happy, happy dude. Uh, he loves his grandparents. He loves us. He loves the simple things in life. He loves his thick filet and his canes. And um, but but that doesn't negate the the hard um, you know things of this life. What it does is it helps put life in perspective, uh, big time. Uh, you learn what's important. You, you know, I, I tell people, I feel really bad for the people that worked for me before Pierce got sick. Um, maybe I was an okay leader at best, if I want to give myself some grace in there. Um, I would like to consider myself, I was always a godly leader, but I, maybe I just didn't show grace and compassion. Maybe I think I was, I was too uptight about the next account or the next sale. Uh, and now I think it's, you know, you've got, uh, I would say two evolutions of Jacob's life. Uh, Jacob's life is pre Pierce getting sick and post Pierce getting sick, post Pierce getting sick. We lose an account. All right, we'll find another one. Uh, Hey, you know, so-and-so walked off the job site. All right, let's go find another supervisor. Uh, but it doesn't take away the stress of it. Doesn't take away the urgency of it. Doesn't take away the bummedness of, of losing an account. But it puts it in perspective, uh, and that's not the end of the world, and and life will go on, and, and it, sometimes uh, sometimes it doesn't go on, and so that helps you frame things up pretty quickly, um, and and so, you know, everything from what I do, everything I do uh, is through the lens of, of how I can uh, protect my family and and um, provide for them, but also Pierce. Uh, Pierce is going to need help long after I'm gone. And I want to make sure that, that I can take care of that responsibility uh, and that doesn't fall to my daughter and soon-to-be son. Um, I, I think they're going to love him and they're going to take care of him. That's my prayer. But I want them to have the freedom in their life to go do whatever they need to do. And so that's that's my honor and my responsibility as his dad. And so coming out of that, uh, I wanted to create something uh, that uh, – the special needs community could partake in, uh, something that Pierce enjoyed. Pierce has always, always loved garbage trucks and dump trucks and construction sites and excavators and the whole deal. Uh, and so, uh, we decided my, my good friend and I decided to build a construction theme park, uh, here in Houston. And, uh, if it sounds crazy, it is, uh, if <laughs> you, we, you know, we, we talked about how, uh, cause we're actually letting these kids operate real skid steers and drive them and real excavators. And yes, they're safe and we've re-engineered them, but they're actually operating. Them. And so you want to feel crazy, uh, try to pitch, uh, people an investment of, Hey, listen, I got a, I got an idea. It's going to be a theme park. All right. What's the theme park. It's going to be a construction equipment. And I'm going to let a three-year-old drive a skid steer by themselves. Uh, we had over 240 meetings of people saying no uh, before we were able to find our investors. And so uh, that's where I, I look a lot older uh, than I am because, because of that experience. But, you know, and then COVID hit. And so not only were we crazy people pitching a theme park of construction equipment, but now we're the crazy people pitching an idea that we're going to take a whole bunch of people and put them together. Uh, and so uh, that was part of the evolution of it. But we opened that the park, um, uh, like I said, last March, um, and it's been 
one of the one of the coolest things uh, of my life uh, just welcoming guests from all of, frankly all over the world but all over the state of Texas and all over Houston and getting to love on truly love on your neighbor and and serve them um and and show them Jesus uh sometimes without them knowing you're showing them Jesus and and that's been the coolest thing uh to see in this business is how this business is can be kingdom focused and kingdom impact and gospel impact um, if you want to love and serve your guest, and and that's in any business, right? My business is just slightly different in that regard. Of I have guests, I have customers walking up to me uh, constantly, right? Whereas other businesses, you got to go find your customers, find your employees. Like our people just show up in the parking lot, and and so uh, that's a really awesome burden to have of saying, "Hey, I'm going to show you Jesus um, while you're here today." And so that was that evolution. Then a, a buddy of mine, we started a real estate company during uh, 2020, uh, results of uh, what I call COVID curiosity of uh, me being locked in my house and and me uh, my curiosity being uh, peaked in an industry and so we started a business there and that's going well and Dave does a great job running that business and so um, I am I am one of these individuals that is um, um, frustratingly curious I need to know how now I don't need to know how things work in the sense of I'm I'm not, I'm not smart enough to understand the engineering like mechanics of things. Um, but I, but I want to know why things work and why people do certain things. And so um, it can, it can drive my wife crazy, but uh, it's, it's led us here today. So that's a really long answer to your question of, of the iterations of what came next, but um, through the lens of, of my son, that's how everything came to be. Absolutely. Wow. That's really incredible how God used just that time and that challenge to transform you. And I think, uh, I think God uses a lot of uh, hardship and, you know, when, when we're going through a valley to really refine our faith and, and to help us to rely on him instead of ourselves or other things. That's it. That's it. I, you know, I felt, uh, the, the Lord asked me when we were in the hospital, uh, early on, uh, Pierce was in his coma and he was laying there, uh, and I was sitting right beside him and I, I felt the Lord say, Hey, did you really mean it when you said he's mine? Right. Did you really mean it when you said he's mine? Uh, and I, I promise you, I love him more than you do. Uh, and, and when you're sitting there with with your your flesh and blood in a coma. Right. And and you feel the father say, hey, listen, I, you think you love him. I love him way more. Um, it, it, it puts our our uh, heavenly father's love in a, in a really um all inspiring, uh, frame of, of reference, um, and, and how much he loves us and how much he cares for us, even, even when life is tough and doesn't go and does not go the way that we want it to. Um, you know, I always, uh, people have asked me over the years, you know, how can, how can you say God is good when you look at what happened to you guys? And I, I listen, God is good because Jesus died on the cross and, and, and we are owed nothing else. Uh, everything else past that is is crazy. Uh, God's goodness uh, is because He allows us to spend eternity with Him, and so God's goodness does not look the, look like the comfortability of my life or the monetary things of my life um, or this Western idea of of Christianity that we can um, perpetuate. Sometimes God's goodness is that He died on the cross and He loves us. We don't deserve any bit of that, um, and so. That's that's um, what has rocked my world the last six years of of saying, man, everything about my life is good, um, and and that doesn't mean it's not hard, uh, and that's not stressful, uh, that it's not worrisome, 
but my life is good uh, because Jesus loves me and I love Jesus and, and I'm going to spend eternity with him. And I'm going to get to hang out with Pierce in heaven and Pierce and I are going to get to run and talk and walk. And um, I, I believe um, my son tells more people about Jesus deaf and mute than I can out loud. And so um, it's an honor to be his dad and it's an honor to um, serve somebody that loves us so much. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you use the theme park and other business ventures to really show the love of Christ to others? Yeah, it's a great question. So take it one by one, my, my janitorial team, right? Man, I, I can love all my employees uh, and provide for them and their family monetarily. Um, I can provide other resources. Uh, and in our company, we've been blessed to have people that are like-minded saying, Hey, listen, we're, we're going to take care of you because you're family. Um, the, 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 you know, the cars we've purchased or, um, the rent checks that we've floated or the medical things that we've covered, um, that is showing that it, that's doing something that that's not normal in the world. That's not to tout us. Uh, that's not to say we're awesome. Uh, cause as we fail all the time, that's just to say, we're trying to do what Jesus told us to do. Uh, and love others and take care of others. And if I have any resources to do that, shame on me if I don't do that. And it's it's quite literally the gospel. And and so um, we get to love on our, our our team members that way. Yes, we can love on our customers. It's kind of different in the janitorial space. Uh, our customers, like when I'm cleaning your building, you're, you're you're gone, right? Like, and so I, you know, the the impact. I mean, we can serve them during the day, and we can we can get to know them and pour into them and, and provide them great customer service, but. Uh, you know, it's it's a different business than the theme park. The theme park, I mean, it's it's a double whammy, and that's that's what I love about it. I get to love on my staff that it's primarily high school kids. Uh, I did not think opening up a theme park I'd be a youth minister, but my goodness, um, it has been, whew, it's been eye opening, and it's awesome because it gives me a lot of great hope for the future and these kids. But a lot of times, it's sad and and what these kids have to deal with, um, and so I get to love on them and serve them and and take care of them. You know, we, we have a phenomenal general manager that runs our park. And this is, this is a perfect example way of, of how um, we're bought into the mission of loving our, our, our team. She called me the other day, the park was about to close down. I had left early. She said, Hey, listen, you know, you know, so-and-so they're trying to go to Jamaica this summer for a, a studying program. And her, her passport didn't come back in time. And she needs uh, $800 to like expedite it, to get it by May 1st, or she doesn't get to go. And she goes, I, I know what you're going to say. I'm just more of calling you to tell you that I've already told her that we're going to cover the $800 and, and we'll figure out repayment or, or not later on. And I mean, that, that kid just sat there and, and just weeping, right? And, and for us, $800, yeah, it's a big, that's a big expense. But in the grand scheme of things, nothing. And, and if the park shuts down one day uh, and we, we close the doors, I will look back at stories like that and go, man, we sent her to Jamaica. And, and hopefully that changed her life. And hopefully she remembers, uh, that experience or something came from that. Like if I can be a part of that story, because I floated her $800, whew, that's a, that's a, that's, that's nothing, right? Like that's nothing. Like if I can be a part of that. And so we get to love our staff. That's one way, but man, we get to love the customers. We get to, we get to blow their minds every time they come to our park. And we had a customer a couple of weeks ago that, that, uh, our general manager was taking care of. And he pulled me aside afterwards. And he said, why are you doing this? Why, why are you being this kind? I said, Hey, we love you. And, and we, we're just honored you're here that you took time out of your day to be at our park. And he's like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm going, great. You're getting hit with the gospel and, and you, you have no idea what's going on. And, and so 
Um, we're, we're vocal about our faith. We're, we're not in your face about it. Uh, we want people to know that we love Jesus um, and we're honored to be here. And so uh, we tell uh, Pierce's story through Jesus um, all throughout the park. Um, and so we get to love on our guests. You know, the the, the truck business, that's a, that's a fun one. We park 18-wheelers. Um, and my buddy who runs that, Dave is, is, man, you want to talk about somebody that's kingdom focused. Um, and, and Dave builds his business for the double bottom line, right? Yeah, we're going to make money and it's going to be great. and It's going to be fun. But man, he, he, he will tell you the amount, of, the amount of truckers he gets to pray for and the amount of truckers that he's trying to put in this Bible study. And he wants to get their emails and he wants to send them a daily Devo. And man, like that's not in that space. Like these guys are not, I mean, they're, they're signing up just to park their truck here. And they're going to get hit with somebody that's going, hey, I'm praying for you. Uh, and I mean, I sat with him the other night, and he's he's working out this whole model about how when you sign up for us, then we're going to ask you how we can pray for you, and it's going to get kicked to this organization. And you want to talk about somebody that is, is kingdom focused. And I, and I think everybody, like, I, I, I read a book uh, a couple of weeks ago called Unreasonable Hospitality. And it's this guy that runs a super successful restaurant. It's, it's amazing. One of my favorite books ever. Changed, changed the way I think about everything. And he gets to the end, he said, listen, if you've gotten here, and you think this book is how you can you can do radical customer service in the restaurant business, you've missed the whole point of this book. You can do this in every business. And he walks through a couple different ways of how you can do crazy things for your customers, your clients, your employees, your friends, whatever it may be. And so I think when that light bulb moment goes off, this is for everybody, right? Like this is for everybody. You just have to look at your own business. And say, man, how could I do that in my business? And so um, that's that's some of the simple ways that we we keep the main thing the main thing across all three of the organizations. Wonderful. So, yeah, that's that's really helpful. And I wrote down. Uh, you said unreasonable hospitality is the book. That's right, Will Giordan. Yeah, he ran um, Eleven Madison Park. He took it from a two star restaurant to the number one restaurant in the world. Um, and, uh, I will never be able to afford to eat there. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure I'd probably, the food there sounds way too fancy for me. So, uh, but it sounds like an amazing experience. So looking back over your story, you know, there's a lot of highlights, but maybe what is one failure that you guys had that you learned from and maybe that we can learn from? Yeah. Um, I, you know, like I, I referenced earlier, I think the pre Pierce getting sick, um, timeframe. I look back at those individuals that were on our team then. And man, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't have a lot of guilt about that time. I, I think I have a lot of like regret of like, man, I, I don't think I love them well, or like, I, I don't, I don't think I was a great leader. Um, I, I don't know if I showed a lot of compassion. Uh, maybe I wasn't a fun guy to work with or work for. Um, and, and so, uh, that's always kind of this like glaring, like, you know, dark cloud that I look back on that time. And, and I'm like, man, I, I, I wish I could have done that better. And so it gives me motivation to do everything today on better, uh, for sure. Uh, I think early on, we grew too fast at One Stone. I, I think we were uh, focused on growth. And, and I'll tell people not all revenue is good revenue. Um, and, and I learned that the hard way. You can go sell a whole bunch of things. That does not mean that money's in your bank account. And, and so you learn cash flow management real fast. And again, good revenue, uh, or not all revenue is good revenue. And, and so we learned that on early on. When we opened the theme park, probably the biggest 
I would leadership failure for sure would be the umbrella that it falls under, but like execution failure, the grand opening weekend, we should not have opened the park. I, I forced the opening, uh, probably about 48 hours too early. And we create a miserable experience for our guests. And it was a terrible grand opening. It was a terrible welcome to the public. Uh, it was just, man, I still have PTSD from it. It's, it's yeah, so bad. Um, and and we've recovered. Like we we recovered well. It gives me beyond great optimism for the future because I'm like, man, we came out of the gate stumbling hard, and we did fine, and and we're going to continue to do great. But that was it, it was like execution failure. That's the biggest failure I've, I've I, I hope I've ever have. Uh, but to date, uh, I've ever had. Um, and, and and I think the reason that was that is it was it was so public, right? Like like uh, every news media. Uh, I mean, I was doing interviews like like a news outlet in Canada, like the day of our grand opening. I mean, it was it was that people were covering us from all over. And then later that night, we had to shut the park down. Like we had to shut it down for four days to get everything right. And so everybody then covered our grand closing. Uh, and I was on interviews the next day. And and you know, I was told I was making kids cry and I was ruining their lives and and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, uh, I I quite literally think I aged like fifteen years that way. But um, you know, so that, that was, and it was all on me, right? Like it was me and, 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 and I could have, I could have very easily just delayed our opening two days and we probably would have been just fine. But, um, I think stress got in the way, probably ego got in the way. Um, you know, what's funny is like, I, I probably didn't push back the grand opening for fear of looking like a failure and inevitably I became a failure. And so, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how that works, but, uh, uh, it's, I, I became a failure, uh, in, in trying to operate out of fear is what I was probably doing. So, uh, those are, those are some of the highlights of the many mistakes, uh, that I've, I've made along the way. So Jacob, what kind of words of encouragement do you have for us for, you know, business leaders out there that are really trying to, uh, steward well, the influence and, and the businesses that they, that they lead and run. Yep. And I, I think this is my favorite part is, is I, I always like to talk to college kids or young entrepreneurs or, or whoever. And again, listen, I've been on this entrepreneurial journey for eight years. I, I'm, I, you know, I, you've had guests on here that have been doing it for 30 years. Right. So like you and I talk in five more years, I may be like, that was the dumbest thing. I ever, <laughs> that was terrible advice. Um, so, you know, hold it, hold it. Like a guy told me yesterday, take everything with a grain of salt when it's coming from uh, that person. Right. So uh, take everything with a grain of salt. But, but I will say this, it's hard, man. It, it is, it is hard to be an entrepreneur. It's hard to be, it's, it's life is hard, right? Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're trying to do. I don't care what your job is. I don't care if you have the corporate job, you've had the same job for 20 years. I don't care if you're trying to start a new business or you're trying to start your fifth business. It's hard. And so I would say to you, Grace, uh, uh, have freedom in the fact that it's hard. Um, and, and I will say two, two things that are, that are super important. And I've learned this. And again, I literally was talking to a guy about this at lunch yesterday. Keep your friends super, super close and, and keep those, those voices of encouragement uh, and those voices of support and those voices of challenge sometimes, because that's what love looks like, challenging you, questioning you, pushing you, making you figure out why you believe what you believe. Keep them super, super close. Those are like Proverbs talks about that, like like the the having those friends and those those spouses. I mean, for me, Melissa, like I mean, yesterday I was I was in a pretty stressful situation mentally. I was just kind of I couldn't get this problem out of my head. And I think three different times I went back to her in the kitchen. I said, okay, listen, listen, listen. 
I, I, need, I just got to talk this out one more time. I, and I need you to tell me if I'm being crazy. I need you to tell me if I'm thinking about this wrong. And, and then the important part, right, which I don't do a great job of a lot of times, welcoming that criticism back and them going, yeah, you are thinking about that wrong. Like that person is right. You are crazy. You know, that, that kind of stuff, but man, keep them super, super close. The flip side is keep the naysayers at a distance and, and entrepreneurship is hard enough. Life is hard enough. Sales is hard enough. There are plenty of people that are going to tell you your idea is crazy. There are plenty of people that are going to tell you it's too hard to do. There's plenty of people. This is my favorite one, man. That's way too saturated to make an impact. Don't do that. You know how many people told me to not start a cleaning company because there's enough cleaning companies out there? Right, there are. Maybe we'll just do a little bit different. You know, there's there's a, enough restaurants out there, but maybe there's a different one out there. Um, and so that keep the naysayers at a distance. Uh, people are going to love to take shots from the cheap seats. Um, and so what I'm I'm learning on what I'm learning and I'm working on, and I've not perfected it because literally this was the point of my lunch yesterday with somebody is to keep the circle of, of those friends that, are, that, are, that get to be that influence in your life, keep it really small and listen to those people. And everybody else, grain of salt. And, and, um, and even people that you think have the best intentions, keep, you, you, sometimes they don't. And, and whether that's insecurities or jealousy or ego, whatever it may be, it may not come across, like, that may not be good advice. And so I would say as an encouragement of, of knowing it's hard, I'm right there in the trenches with you. Anybody that tells you this is easy, that's bad advice. Keep them probably at a distance. Um, but people that also tell you don't do it because it's too hard, keep them at a distance too. Um, and and so um, keep that group around you. Reach out to people like me. I, I, I'd love to encourage you. I'd love to support you um, uh, and, and just champion you from the sidelines. Um, and, and, so, and then also to those people that are on the fence or on the sideline thinking about getting in the game. Man, if you feel like God's telling you to get in the game, get in the game. Um, and and it doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you worse. Let that be very clear. I'm not saying the people that are in the game. Or, no, no, no. If, if you feel like God's telling you to get in the game, don't let the threat of it being hard. Don't let the threat of the economy. Don't let the threat of banking. Don't let the – there's always an excuse, right? There's always an excuse. Uh, and, and what I've learned is Satan loves to exploit those excuses, right? For me, Satan, Satan you know, I always say uh, – Satan operates in the black and whites for sure, right? Don't, don't do this, do this. That's bad. That's good. Those are, we know those, right? We still can succumb to those for sure. Um, but, but those, those we know my life, Satan loves to operate in the grays and, and that's, that's the danger zone of, of, Hey, is that, is, is, are you really doing this because Jesus told you to do it? Or are you doing it because you're, your ego? And I'm going, Oh gosh, man, I, I don't know. I don't want it to be my ego. And so then, then I can become paralyzed by it. Right. And so, I think Satan loves to whisper in our ear uh, lies. That's that's what he loves to do. And so, um, man, I, I'd love to have you in the arena with us. Uh, and so if, if if you're out there, you can do it. You can do it. There are plenty of people around you that would love to encourage you, support you. Podcasts like this are right there to whisper in your ear, to, to um, remind you. And I, and I think it's so good. It's good for me to go back and make sure I listen to entrepreneurs and really listen to not the end of their story, but the beginning of their story. We all know the end of a lot of these people's stories, right? You you have a lot of great guests on this show. We listen to things like how I built this and that kind of stuff. The reason we want to listen to those people is because we know where they ended up. Uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, the Peloton CEO, I listen to a podcast with him, uh, and, I, and I don't know anything about him personally, but 
But if you look at him, you go, oh my gosh, what a genius, right? That dude who created the Peloton. I mean, that's amazing. People love it. He's a billionaire, blah, 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 blah. That guy will tell you on the podcast that it took him three years. He averaged, it was three years, seven days a week, three meetings a day before he heard his first yes. He he drained his bank account, his retirement account, sold his house. Like, like that dude is not a, a, a an overnight success. And and so those entrepreneurs out there that are wondering when your break's coming, um, just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. And and it's so good to hear encouragement like that uh, from from people that you know maybe a little bit further down the road. So before we wrap up this episode, is there anything else that you want to share? with our guests and then we'll go into the mentor minute. No, I would say, listen, I think probably at the end of the show, we'll talk about how you can get in contact with me. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'd love to encourage you. Uh, but, but I hope today uh, you leave encouraged and, and, and maybe challenged, but also knowing that there's somebody out there um, that is, is, is struggling right there alongside with you and fighting the good fight. Uh, I don't have all the answers. Uh, and so it's okay. If you don't have all the answers. A, a guy told me a couple weeks ago, Jacob, strive to be the dumbest guy in the room. And, and that's, that's kind of one of my new mantras. I'm striving to be the dumbest guy in the room. Uh, and so uh, let that be your, your encouragement for the day. That's good. All right, let's jump into the mentor minute. Who is, let's the, do it. Who is the most influential person that you know and how have they impacted you? Yeah, I'm going to take an obvious answer here for me. It's going to be my son. Um, and, and for me, um, you know, uh, he is the most influential person in my life because everything I do uh, is I think about him um, and and my family. But but really, my life, son, my son's life is a struggle, right? He has over 100 seizures a day. He can't walk well, like he can't pick up this morning. Bless his heart. He, he was trying to pick up a raisin off of his high chair deal. And he just he would get it and he'd almost get it to his mouth and it would drop and he'd almost get it back up to his mouth and it would drop. But you know what? That gun, that joker, he didn't quit. It took him like six times, but he got that raisin in his mouth. And, and so, um, uh, he, he can suffer through things. I mean, he, when he gets his blood drawn, he laughs like he's a tough dude. Um, and so I want to be, we, we always tell our, our, uh, our daughter, we're going to be tough like Pete, right? We're going to be tough like Pierce. And, and so, uh, I'm going to go to work every day and I'm going to be tough like Pete. And, um, and, and I'm gonna love people. Like, yeah, dude loves people. What I love about Pierce, like Pierce doesn't care if you're black, white, brown, purple, yellow, green. He does not care what you look like. He doesn't care if you're in shape, out of shape. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you have disabilities. You don't have any disabilities. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about what your house looks like, what car you're in. That dude is just happy to be here and he's happy to see you. And, and that's how we should live. Like, like he has no lens. Uh, and, and, and that's how Jesus wants us to live. And, and so, um, um, that's, that's the stuff I, I learned, uh, from him. Do you have a book or podcast that you'd recommend to us? Man, I, I do. I, I feel bad. They're not, uh, they're not, uh, godly, uh, <laughs> advice. Um, you know, I, the standard, the podcast I listen to a lot, I get encouraged from, uh, is, uh, uh how I built this. That's a good one uh, selfish plug. My dad and I, we have a fun podcast where we talk about leadership and faith with different leaders across. But I think the two books for me that, uh, I, I constantly go back to, um, uh, shoe dog by Phil Knight. And I know there's a new movie air out. I highly recommend it when saw it last week. The reason I love shoe dog is because again, Phil Knight, you know, the end of the story, we know Nike, but how that dude built Nike. 
I mean, Nike should not be around uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and so listening to that book and those struggles is really, I, I read that early on in, in entrepreneurial journey and it just gave me this freedom of like, okay, if Phil Knight had to hustle and he couldn't make payroll three weeks in a row, it's okay that I'm, I'm struggling to make payroll. Right. And so that was a good one. And then the unreasonable hospitality, that one, I got done reading it with it, reading it. And I've recommended it to everybody. I made our, I'm making our team read it. Uh, it's, it's changing the way we operate everything. So those two books. What is the number one lesson in leadership that you've learned? Mm. Just show up. I, I think for me, just show up and care. And and um, I don't think people want to hear great speeches. Uh, I think sometimes those are cool. Um, people don't care about what my house looks like or what car I drive or don't drive. I think people just want to know that we show up. And and I watched my dad do this. Um, Growing up, my dad would make hospital rounds most mornings, and he'd go and he'd see the whole staff. But my dad knew the janitor's name, and he knew the head of surgery's name, and he knew everybody in between. And and there was no difference in his eyes. It didn't matter if you're the chief of surgery and you're bringing in millions of dollars to the hospital, or you're the janitor. Um, and and everybody has a role to play. Uh, and so for me, it's showing up and loving on everybody in your organization and every customer that comes through the door. Um, and so it's showing up and caring and, and I don't think I do it well every day, but, but I try to just show up and care. All right. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, do you want to share some contact info? Yeah, you can shoot me an email. Uh, I would say LinkedIn, but I'm gonna be real honest with you. I'm probably going to ignore it. Uh, and so, um, Jacob Robinson, uh, 11 at Gmail. That's my email, right? I would. Most people big think I'm crazy giving it out. Listen, uh, Apple owns the whole world anyway, so it's probably out there uh, for you to find anyway. So uh, Jacob Robinson 11 at Gmail. I'd love to hear from you uh, and, and chat with you. All right. And then how can we be praying for you and your family? Yeah, so we got number three on the way. Uh, so I think praying for that, of what <laughs> that new rhythm is going to look like uh healthy baby um you know all, all the the standards there uh and then i just think um as as you know we continue this year two of our theme park trying to figure out what what does growth look like what does operating this park look like well uh if you're in the houston area please come uh would love to welcome you to, to the park i think you and your kids would have a great time uh so i just think uh just just discernment right discernment of, of trying to figure out what's good uh going back to good revenue uh, what's good good growth um so that's that's what i would i would welcome any and all prayers in those categories Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Let me pray for us and then we'll close everything out. Great. God, I thank you and praise you for Jacob and just how you have used him to impact people uh, in his life, employees, uh, clients. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would continue to use him, uh, continue to uh, mold him into um, a man who is Christ-like and who uh, is an ambassador for you in every place that he goes. Lord, I pray for his family, I pray for his son, and I pray for uh, the son on the way, and I pray uh, that you would watch over everything there. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time, and we pray that you would help us to steward uh, everything that we have for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Kingdom Investor Podcast. We'll catch you next time. What if you could take your generosity to the next level, impacting more lives in your community and around the world, creating a godly legacy for generations to come? Now you can. 
your first step is crafting your kingdom investing thesis. Reserve your spot in our next online workshop where we guide you through the process of discovering your passions, create a strategic plan, and connect you to opportunities that will help you fulfill your God-given calling as a kingdom investor. Register today by clicking the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kingdom Investor Podcast.